I want to thank you and members of the committee for inviting me here today to discuss my nomination to be commissioner of the Food and Drug Administration. Anything that has to do with vaccines or drugs or treatments, the FDA is smack dab in the middle. And Rob Califf wants to be the guy who's accountable for all of that. Hey there, Pulse Check listeners. This is Annie Reese. And after going without an FDA commissioner for months in the middle of a pandemic, the Biden administration is one step closer to Senate confirmation for Robert Califf. Uh, he wears these uh, great bow ties. Oh, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> yeah, and he's just, he's well known throughout the industry. Today, healthcare reporter Adam Kankren on the likely future head of the Food and Drug Administration. Caleb's nomination is largely about stability. Mm. Somebody who is really not going to rock a lot of boats. Now, that is also kind of uh, a, a detraction for, for some people because a lot of people think that the FDA needs to be shaken up, and he is not going to be that revolutionary figure. He is a, a former Obama official. He actually ran the FDA before once for one year at the tail end of the Obama administration. Um, but more than that, he is a cardiologist. He's a, uh, a well-known kind of public health official and expert who's been around. He's run a ton of clinical trials. He knows pretty much everything uh, there is to know about the kind of drug and regulatory process. On Tuesday, he answered some tough questions, but mostly kind of sailed through his Senate confirmation hearing. Dr. Califf, last time uh, you were here interviewing for this job, I introduced you to my colleagues as a wonderful father, grandfather, great doctor, great man. Let me say to my colleagues, all that remains the same today. Welcome back. And it looks like he'll be a relatively easy confirmation early next year. Although he does have some pretty high-profile naysayers, right? Yeah, it's it's really interesting. I mean, of especially in a Senate that's evenly divided 50-50, right? We have not seen a lot of really, really high-profile Biden nominees have an easy time just kind of like going through, getting massive bipartisan support and, and getting installed in their job. And, and it looks like Rob Califf, assuming nothing goes wrong over the next few weeks. Knock it looks wood. like he's poised to be, yeah, knock on wood, but it looks like he's poised to be one of these that has a relatively easy time getting confirmed uh, as head of the FDA. And and that's for a couple reasons. Is One, back when he was first up for the job during the Obama administration, he was confirmed by an 89 to 4 vote. Now, nobody expects that to happen again. Partisanship has changed significantly since 2015. But even so, he already has some fans among the GOP, namely Richard Burr. He's a senator from North Carolina. Rob Califf, part of Duke University, he's kind of run an institute there. And so they know each other well. And Senator Burr and other Republicans have already come out in support of his nomination. And that is a good thing, particularly because he does have some Democratic detractors who uh, have some issues with his track record and the FDA's overall track record on mm -hmm. opioids and some concerns about his prior ties to the drug industry. Yeah. And detractors who aren't normally in the same grouping, like Senator Bernie Sanders and Senator Joe Manchin. You know, especially around Christmas, it's it's amazing what brings some of these senators together. <laughs> but but this is one of them is uh, is a real opposition to Califf running the FDA. This is something that we saw a preview of back in 2015. And, and honestly, the dynamics have not really changed here in the intervening years. Joe Manchin, as is well known, is from West Virginia, 
which has been hit probably the hardest out of everywhere in America by the opioid epidemic. And one of the things that he has really uh, kind of harbored over these years is a real disagreement with how the FDA handled its approvals of opioid drugs, essentially making them easier to obtain and, in his mind, fueling this opioid epidemic. And so anybody who was part of that decision-making or at FDA or involved with FDA at the time has kind of been tainted in his mind by that track record, and and Califf is one of them. Mm. Bernie Sanders, a little bit different in that he, you know, as as kind of the the, the resident liberal of the Senate, yeah. very very concerned about industry influence, about ties to industry. And Califf has a lot, honestly. He mm. did a lot of work consulting wise for the industry before 2015, and in between leaving the FDA and now wanting to come back. He has owned various biotech stocks. He has done work for various pharmaceutical companies. Uh, and that really, in Sanders' mind, it seems like has ruled him out in terms of support for coming back now into government and regulating the companies that he has, he has helped and consulted for in the past. Mm-hmm. But still, you know, looks like he'll probably pass. Even so, look, he'll, he'll need Republican help, right? This is not going to be a, a, a matter where... You know, Democrats can be assured that they'll have their 50 votes. They just plainly don't. But as of now, it does seem like there is enough Republican support to still get him over the hump into that majority 50-51 vote range and get him installed at the FDA. You and I have talked before about how the Biden administration gets a fair bit of credit for a less chaotic pandemic response. But the fact that there has not been an FDA commissioner the person overseeing the agency approving crucial drugs for mass use during a pandemic since Joe Biden took office is kind of wild, right? It is. Well, first of all, low bar coming off the Trump administration, right? Uh, That was end-to-end, administration-wide, chaotic. And so, you know, one of the things that Biden kind of made a big deal about when he came in was that there was going to be stability, there was going to be clear goals and clear planning, and it was going to be very clear who was in charge. Mm -hmm. And that, for the most part, has held true. But at the FDA, as you said, there has not been a permanent commissioner now almost a year into Biden's presidency. And, And the reasons are several fold. The main one, though, is that even coming into office, The administration had an idea who originally they wanted to run the FDA, and that was Janet Woodcock, who is a longtime regulator. She's been at the FDA around 30 years, Mm -hmm. very well liked within the administration. But again, the problem that she ran into was the track record on opioids Mm -hmm. uh, and concerns about her friendliness toward industry. Add on to that that there was this controversial approval of an uh, an Alzheimer's drug called Agihelm, Mm -hmm. which was cleared on pretty thin evidence. And that pretty much sealed the deal there for Janet Woodcock being a permanent commissioner. So over the intervening months, now the administration has to go back to the drawing board trying to find somebody who's qualified, who has a similarly kind of great resume and longtime resume, who can come in and run the FDA at a time of crisis. Uh, They went through at least a dozen potential candidates. None really worked out. Ultimately, they landed on Califf, mainly because, look, he has done the job before in this Mm -hmm. capacity. He knows where things are in the FDA. He knows where all the light switches are. And he had maintained a pretty good relationship through 
through a lot of you know former Obama administration officials with those who are currently in the administration now. Hmm. So not the most kind of revolutionary choice, but one that Biden officials are hoping will bring stability to the agency. Yeah. And what have been some of the side effects of not having a confirmed FDA commissioner through this first year of Biden's presidency? Well, the main issue is just that it's hard to get a sense of what the broader agenda is when you don't have somebody who's you know is going to be there for an extended period of time mm. who can come in and set it, right? Every top official wants to come in with, you know, three or four things that they want to get done in their time there. And and there are a lot of decisions to be made at FDA, right? Even beyond COVID and the vaccines, there are major uh, decisions to be made regulatorily on tobacco, for example, mm. or even how the FDA evaluates and ultimately approves or doesn't approve drugs and yeah. treatments. And that standard needs to be set from the top, honestly. And you can't really do that if you know that the person who's leading you right now is only in acting or could be gone in the next few months. So what this allows the FDA and, and the staff, importantly, to do is really understand what they're working toward, what they're trying to accomplish over the next few years. And you've written in the past about tensions between the White House and the CDC on elements of the vaccine rollout, on booster guidance, and between the health agencies in general. Do you get the sense that Robert Califf has a different, better, worse relationship with any of those officials? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is going to be one of the things that I'm going to be really interested in over the next several months is, you know, when you bring another person who's empowered, right, in a way that he's that that we haven't seen before in terms of permanence mm -hmm. at the FDA. Um, you know, the one thing is that the Biden administration, for the most part, has stressed this idea of, you know, we all need to get along. There needs to be no, you know, big egos when we're trying to get things done. And, and in a way, the pandemic has been a focusing event, right? That yeah. that prevents these competing agendas from clashing into each other. That said, the health department overall is kind of a strange structure, right? You have uh, HHS secretary who's the cabinet official, but at the same time, the leaders of the CDC and the FDA uh, and even the centers for, for Medicare and, and Medicaid have a ton of power when it comes to actually setting the policy. And so that kind of weird, you know, power structure tends to tends to be where you see the tensions emerge and tends to be where you see those kinds of controversies and clashes. Now add into that the fact that the White House has its own COVID team and there's even more people now who have to get on the same page. Right. So it's going to be interesting to see how Caliph walks into that. Now one year in, he's got to get up to speed. He's going to have to kind of show that he's willing to take direction, but also then try to shape the COVID response and the, the administration's broader priorities in a way that allows him to get things done as well. Yeah. And on the COVID front with uh, FDA, like you mentioned tobacco, but on the COVID front, on Tuesday, Pfizer revealed its study of an oral COVID treatment, which they said was effective against the Omicron variant. And they submitted an FDA application asking for emergency approval last month. So did Merck for their oral COVID treatment. What pressures is the FDA under right now or what moment are we in in terms of the work that they need to do? Yeah, the FDA is, is really, you know, this is kind of the crucible for them in terms of getting vaccines and COVID treatments um, authorized in a way that is 
uh, accelerated, right, in a way that gets them out on the market quickly. Mm -hmm. But that also doesn't sacrifice people's trust in the way that the agency is reviewing these for safety and effectiveness, right? And and that has been the tension we've seen over the past couple of years. And it's been a struggle, honestly, for the agency to kind of balance those things, especially when you're getting pressure from the White House, when you're getting pressure from uh, just everyday Americans who would love to have these vaccines and who would love to have these treatments out there. So there are going to be a number of issues that Califf would need to address immediately. One of them is getting these antiviral pills authorized and out on the market at some point soon. The other one obviously is going to be vaccines for the youngest Americans, you know, zero to five, as well as anything that comes up in terms of additional boosters uh, that we may need for adolescents, for children, just really kind of determining what the next, I guess, section, what the next stage of this pandemic looks like in terms of responding through vaccines and other treatments. All right, that's our show for this week. I'm Annie Reese, and big thanks to Adam Kankren from our healthcare team for joining me. PulseCheck's senior editor is Raghu Manavalan, and our executive producer is Jenny Ament. This is our last show of this year, but we'll be back in 2022 with more healthcare episodes. In the meantime, stay safe and well, and happy holidays. <laughs>